0: But what's your question? So when we're looking at the formula for fundamental fantasy, Mm -hmm. we have the divided subject, which is the money sign, and then we have the diamond sign, and then we have the small a. And sadly, I don't have a big enough whiteboard for the stuff we previously had on screen, but basically we have the divided subject, this which is we it's divided between uh the imaginary and the symbolic and, well, and it,
1: say, you know it's, it's better to say it's divided between language or prohibition signifiers and jouissance, right
0: and so you would say that's the uh divi- that's the division between real and symbolic right
1: yeah that's better i think i think when we think about the divided, when we think about this relation between uh, Bard S and objet petit A, it's better to think about it in terms of symbolic and the real, I don't, I, cause imagine, uh, imaginary has to do with the ego and the ego is not in that formula. Okay, this per, is your unconscious
0: Right. There's no ego here. Okay, good. Yeah. So this is unconscious. So this is, none of this is operating at the level of imaginary. This is okay. So we've got symbol, we've got the divided subject. And then right here, we got the greater than, lesser than, um, conjunction, disjunction, um, symbol. And then this, the small a is the object, is that right? Yep. Okay. And And that that missing part of yourself, that you think, uh, you think unconsciously
1: at the unconscious level, that if you retrieve this lost object, you'll have full enjoyment.
0: Could you, could you just like, I don't know, maybe like re summarize the symbol, of these things and 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 how it plays out in these four veils that we've discussed yeah, so far so
1: i think I mean, to go back to zizek's example right so here's the thing um imagine the bard s as the german the nazi right and the little obje Ah, the little a as the jew well the point is the Obj petit a is not something in the actual jew in actual jewish people it's a phantasmatic construction that's essentially being projected onto them. Uh, Lacan talks about this as the in you more than you, right? It's it's not something people people actually have. So here's the point that Zizek makes when it comes to scapegoating the other, which we see happening all the time. So here's how it works. Uh, and, and we can add this onto the ideological fantasy. So what? how the Nazis fantasized about the Jew, right? We talked about <clears throat> feature three, which is where you exchange like structural dynamics uh, or deadlocks for empirical, or, and empirical means like it's imagistic, phantasmatic images um, of the other. And so here's how it works. The Nazis, there's one of two ways they viewed the Jews. It was like, okay, uh, they either are depriving us of our enjoyment. They're the the cause of our lack, right? They're what's castrating us and uh, forcing us not to have enjoyment. And so that's one take. The other take, and you find this with any group that's scapegoating another group, it's not, the, it's, it, not necessarily they're taking our enjoyment. It's that they have an excessive amount of enjoyment themselves. Like, either way, there's this inequality of jouissance, like either they're taking our enjoyment from us or they, for whatever reason, have access to some like intense enjoyment uh, that we don't have. And so this is why the scapegoats are always hyper-sexualized. White Americans hypersexualize black people, Nazis hypersexualize Jews, right? You always see this. And Zizek points out That one of the one of the indicators that you're dealing with this kind of scapegoating fantasy, is that the scapegoat figure is always contradictory. So Jews were presented as dirty ghetto dwellers, but also sophisticated genius physicists, right? And the Nazis didn't catch any of this. Well, what do we do? What what do you see in America with conservatives, right? Well, Mexicans are these lazy. Uh, people who take welfare and they're clogging up the system with their laziness, but at the same time they're far more industrious than we are and they outwork us and they take the jobs we won't take. There's a fundamental contradiction in the view of like the migrant worker, just as there is with the Jew in Nazi Germany. And it, it's almost as if like real, the real itself is like paying us back. <laughs> it's weird. It's like we're, we're being paid back for our stupid scapegoating fantasies. Like, we're you know, there's all these structural dynamics at play that are causing our problems, but we exchange all of that complexity for the simplicity of a phantasmatic image or scapegoat. Right. But it's like we betray ourselves. It's like we can't really pull it off because every scapegoat figure, to any, to any outside observer, is ridiculous. Like, it's like you want to say to the conservative, make up your fucking mind. Are Mexicans lazy... You know, people who sit around and just take welfare, or are they super industrious people who outwork us? You can't have it both ways. And uh, same thing with the Nazis, right? The Jews are these gross, uh, you know, unclean ghetto dwellers, but they're also these suave, sophisticated geniuses that seduce our daughters. Right. Right, the scapegoating fantasy is occurring when you get these contradictory figures.
0: Right, and you know we both love that example from Sublime Objects of Ideology, right, where you've got the person who's got the the Jewish neighbor, right, and and this is a, a wonderful neighbor, and, and 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 you've got the person who's got the anti-Semitic like ideology, but and and they 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 get along with their their good Jewish neighbor. But in their, in their mind, they're like, ah, see, this is how sneaky they are, that they will come across as this good, as as this friendly, nice neighbor. Right. So everything that you perceive through those ideological filters serves as confirmation bias. So it doesn't matter if it's contradictory information, everything. This is why the whole media. So this is why all of this Lacan stuff is so useful for me in thinking about critical media theory It's like. What does the media fucking do? It, it it feeds different ideological frameworks. They have their own fundamental fantasies, um, constant confirmation bias that basically it, it, it's resentment fueling in, the, in in Nietzsche's sense of resentment. You know, it's like it's like oh here I'm gonna give you a, a sense of uh, of of intellectual and moral uh, you know uh, superiority. You're a beautiful person. You don't need to change at all because look at these deplorables over here. And so it will pick out like the lowest common denominators of the other, whether it's stupid or cunning genius, either way, and be like, look, oh look, it, yeah, here's an example of something evil or despicable. Oh look, here's an example of something of of something totally stupid. And and the more they give they patch this this figure of the other, the scapegoat together for you that confirms your little bubble that, oh no, I don't need to change. Oh now you know. Oh, I consume MSNBC and look how stupid these these protesters are, uh, who are protesting the the stay at home orders. Uh, they're, 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 these people, they're deplorable. They're they're degenerate. They're 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 right. It's really 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 easy to 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 take to, to 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 take the the product of 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 a system, which is these these normies who've been constructed as as well as stupid. I mean, they they really are usually pretty pretty dumb. But I mean. Hey, so I, they're the product of a system and we take the product the effect instead of as a symptom we take it for the problem right and 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 because they're so stupid and evil at the same time we feel just by default superior intellectually and morally speaking right it's just very easy to to, to play into that but if you're consuming fox Fox News, then it's the exact opposite. They're still picking, like, all of these, it's so easy to go and pick out contradictions, to find contradictions in the other's ideology, because ideologies are inherently contradictory, right? Mm-hmm. The ideology is the opposite of, ph- of philosophy, in the sense of, like, philosophy wants to explore those contradictions, ideology wants to cover up those contradictions, and tell you, no, 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 nothing to see here, nothing to think about, just go with it. And, okay. uh and uh, you know CNN and MSNBC feel feel non-ideological because basic liberalism is hegemonic, right? Oh, empathy is inherently good. Listening is inherently good. Um, um, shows of strength or force are inherently bad. Um, anyone who prioritizes the other over empathy, oh, is they the, they're the bad ones, right? Or 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 anyone who is uncouth, anyone who comes across, uh, 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 so anyone who like calls the establishment bad. Oh, well, they're talking about us. Okay, they're they're just being mean. Oh, they're just bullies. Now I can't tell the difference between Trump people and Bernie people. I can't tell the difference. Why? Because that base liberal symbolic fantasy like framework is one that's going to, oh, well, I call I call I call evil anything that's that comes off as, as mean right? Yeah. And, and, and that's because it's the ideology of, of, of the, of the nurt of the nurturing, like the nurturing. So, so, so anything that comes seems contrary to that is, is bad. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, Zizek's point is you are at your most
1: ideological when you think you're not in ideology, those, whenever you think you're at an idea or an activity that's non-ideological and fights ideology, is where you should be looking for ideology at its most, effective. And that's the thing. Everybody is ideological except me. Except, like, the subject, right? Everybody else is biology, uh, right. by ideology except me. And this is why Zizek's always emphasizing the movie Fight Club, right? He, he's like, no, to do ideology critique is to beat the shit out of yourself. It's very easy to kind of see this stuff operative in other people. The question is, what are you? What's your ideological fantasy? What is, what are your ideological investments like? What are you libidinally invested in in your society that helped you reproduce that society, right? And so, he's saying you got to kind of take the scalpel to yourself uh, to do ideology critique properly. But you know, you, I just I want to say a couple things uh, before moving on to traversing the fantasy. One is what we were talking about, okay, you mentioned it. The way I like to word it is when it comes to ideological fantasy, disconfirmation is confirmation. And what I mean is ideological fantasy, Jack calls it the frame, right? It's like you perceive the other through this specific framework. It's like you're seeing it through a certain, you know, it's, it's a good example is a filter, right? Like you put a filter on a photo to change the photo. You perceive the photo through the filter. Ideological fantasy is like that. So, for the the Nazi, operating with the Nazi ideological fantasy, they perceive the Jew, actual, actual Jewish people, through this filter, with, through this phantasmatic frame, and that fundamentally alters the perception of actual Jewish people. And, it's like you project the phantasmatic image of the Jew onto actual Jewish people. And, so no matter what a Jewish person does, this fantasy frame can always bend it back to confirm your phantasmatic image of the Jew. So the way that Zizek talks about it, he uses the example you mentioned, uh, <clears throat> Mr., uh, Mr. Stern, the Jewish neighbor. And so let me actually read this. He, uh, he goes... Uh, that is why we are, uh, this is from Sublime Object of Ideology, and it's on pages 49 and 50. So he says, That is why we are also unable to shake so-called ideological prejudices by taking into account the pre-ideological level of everyday experience, right? We Like some sort of like mythical outside dimension of ideology. He says, The basis of this argument is that the ideological construction always finds its limit In the field of everyday experience, that it is unable to reduce, to contain, to absorb, and annihilate this level. So basically, the most ideological thing is thinking that there's some sort of brute everyday reality that can destroy your ideological fantasy. He's saying that's what is ideological or distorting. So he goes Mm. on. Let us again take a typical individual in Germany in the late 1930s. He is bombarded by anti-Semitic propaganda depicting a Jew as a monstrous incarnation of evil, the great wire puller, and so on. But when he returns home, he encounters Mr. Stern, his neighbor, a good man to chat with in the evenings, whose children play with his. Does not this everyday experience offer an irreducible resistance to, to the ideological construction. So you want to say, well, see, he would he would encounter uh, the goodness of Mr. Stern. He would go see uh, the Jews are not like what I'm being told in the media. That's all bullshit. And now I'm getting I'm getting beyond my ideological fantasy. No, he says this actually works in favor of the scapegoating fantasy. Why? He says <clears throat> the answer is, of course, no. If everyday experience offers such a resistance, then the anti-Semitic ideology has not yet really grasped us. Here's a great quote. An ideology is really holding us only when we do not feel any opposition between it and reality. That is, when the ideology succeeds in determining the mode of our everyday experience of reality itself. How then would our poor German... If he were a good anti-Semite, react to this gap between the ideological figure of the Jew, schemer, wire-puller, exploiting our brave men, and so on, and the common everyday experience of his good neighbor, Mr. Stern. His answer would be to turn this gap, this discrepancy itself, into an argument for anti-Semitism. You know how dangerous they really are it is difficult to recognize their real nature. They hide it behind the mask of everyday appearance. And it is exactly this hiding of one's real nature, this duplicity, that is a basic feature of the Jewish nature. So Zizek concludes, an ideology really succeeds when even the facts, which at first sight contradict it, start to function as arguments in its favor.
0: Beautiful. You found it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, that's some of his I, you know I've read what 20 of his books, and I think some of those passages from that chapter are some of the best he's ever written. Um, but okay, so we you know we have this image of what's going on, right? the you know, there's all these structural problems that work in society that are causing us to suffer uh, suffer i e well, suffer that's a, suffer. a Freudian slip, right uh, what, what anyway. is
0: what does suffer link up to?
1: Cover, I don't know. I'd have to sit <laughs> on it, see where we go, and it's like I'm not giving you access to the truth of my desire.
0: We're <laughs> so, gonna get to the bottom of your desire today, uh, Michael.
1: Yeah. So okay, there's all these structural problems call, causing us to suffer, and I.E. lack, and oh, to, I.E. to be castrated, and you concoct this image in your head that makes sense of it. And so, yeah, the Jew is, you know, it, 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 to use that, the, the, the formula of fantasy, right? I think it would be something like, it would be the greater than sign, right? The, the fundamental fantasy would be of, the, of uh, the Nazi ideology would be for the Bard S, the German subject, to become greater than that objet petit à. And the little A in this sense is, the one who has stolen my jouissance obj, oh. my O-J-A. so the fundamental fantasy is for the bard subject to become greater than the theft of our enjoyment the the the, the thief of our enjoyment
0: right because the small a is the object cause of desire uh, right. uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's, the,
1: it's the jouissance that you unconsciously posit that you had to give up in order to become socialized. It's what you sacrifice to become a quote human subject. And it's that concentrated, uh, intense enjoyment that like you have all kinds of enjoyments throughout your day, but they're not it. They're not the final enjoyment. The bit in you know, the jouissance with a capital J. And well, why don't I have that perfect enjoyment, that full enjoyment? Well, somebody stole it from us and stole it from my family and from my nation. Uh, and so you you it's like you project your Obje petit a into Jewish people as if they possess it, and that's why it's like okay the the German subject wants to be greater than the 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 petit a in this sense right it's to to annihilate them make them small defeat them so as to gain uh uh juizon. I think it's the other way around it's uh no you're right you're right i'm i'm tripping you got it
0: oh you're looking at the whiteboard
1: yeah i just glanced at it um no you're right and And then i put i
0: put the i put the those echo bracket or parentheses on the uh on the small a and there you go that's that's nazism in a nutshell uh you got the divided subjects greater than the small a right so it's the the
1: ones who the thief of the small a the thief of enjoyment the ones who have stolen our enjoyment or enjoy excessively at our expense oh and i mean the I, I that's why i love zizek right i mean he's the one who shows how all of these lacanian concepts work at the social level the ideological level and uh i mean it's it's there in larval form in lacan but lacan again time and time again one of his refrains is hey i'm not a philosopher i'm not like a theorist i'm training analysts for the work of analysis i'm training people to become psychoanalysts all of this has to do with the clinic and i mean of course you know people would sit there and go well he can say that but a lot of it has to do with philosophy and ontology and all this but the point is he never thought he was engaging in philosophy he, he wouldn't say oh i'm doing heidegger to lose what you know what they do uh his, his his was much more focused on i'm training people to be able to help relieve suffering in the clinic to help people who have symptoms that are out of control or have hang-ups or you know any kind of psychical problems and so all of this stuff is focused on the analyst dealing with people in their radical idiosyncratic singularity right as subjects and Mm -hmm. like it's so much harder like i can't i have no idea what your fundamental fantasy is i have no idea what i mean yeah i have little indicators of mine but i don't know it for sure because i've never gone through analysis but you see how much easier it is to see a fundamental fantasy at the social level why because it's not so it's like you have so much comparison to go off of right you can you can start to see like the Nazi fundamental fantasy, the Stalinist fundamental fantasy, the, you know, uh, the capital. Like, you can go through them because we all are much more aware of this generic aspect of society. It's basically like the ideological fantasy is the fundamental fantasy of a society, not of an individual person. And it's, it's much easier to draw out the fundamental fantasy of society. Uh, to do it on a personal level, again, it would take years of analysis to work through this. But that's what the power of uh, Zizek's work is is showing how we can use all of these uh, Lacanian concepts geared towards the clinic to also explain social reality. And so,
0: Attempt to bring in new people to the world of philosophy and theory while building on relationships already established. We are doing a countrywide tour of the United States this fall. What's up guys? It's Ann and Dave! Are we coming to a city or a town near you? Do you think there is a venue or audience in your local region that would be interested in a lecture or a facilitated discussion about existentialism, critiques of therapism, PMC ideology, self-help, introduction to philosophy? Or the time energy critique of any of those things this speaking and discussion facilitation tour will include the pacific northwest in mid-august the kansas city missouri area late august or early september philadelphia at the beginning of october and really we're going to be all over the area there hopefully so get in contact with us if you think that we should come visit your state Phoenix, Arizona, mid-October. In SoCal, especially San Diego, late October. I say especially San Diego because we already have our guide for the San Diego region. What's the difference between a host, a guide, and a volunteer, you ask? Well, thanks for asking, actually. The volunteer role is for people who want to put up posters or in other ways promote the events that will be occurring in their town or city. Whereas the host, might have a guest bedroom guest house or a place that we can park our van so we can sleep in our van we need to know if you would have like bathroom facilities or anything like that and so the form on the website is where you can tell us what you have to offer guiding on the other hand though people who love to guide take a lot of pride in their local knowledge A good example of that would be Michael Downs when I visited him in Raytown, Missouri, and he took me into Kansas City and we had barbecue and he took me to the mall and to all these other landmark places from his life growing up there. Um, But a more recent example would be my friend Michael in Poland who took us around Katowice, Poland and basically gives a historical and sociological analysis of everything and it was amazing. It It was one of the coolest things we've ever experienced and it made us realize some people just want to provide the space and privacy whereas other people want to take you out and show you around and so if you're interested in being a volunteer host or guide we have a special form for that so please fill out your information and uh, get in contact with us as soon as possible so we can fit you into the schedule because we'll love to meet you touch base with the local community And if you don't think anyone else in your area is interested in the things that you're interested in, if you don't think anyone else is into this stuff, well, we might be able to surprise you. When I saw
1: that poster, Bolger in Boise fucking Idaho, are you kidding me? It was virtually an an answer to an unspoken prayer, you know. really was. And I just couldn't believe that somebody was interested in the things that I was interested in, that I had been interested in for years and had kind of given up on in in futility. I'd labored in solitude for so long, I had no one to talk to about it, no one to bounce ideas off.
0: This tour is going to bring together a lot of people who want to be based in text with the people they're in conversation with. and. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic year. The only other thing that I want to say is that Michael Downs's first book is going to be published by Theory Underground really soon here. I've got another book coming out really soon here. These books will be spread throughout the United States on this tour. So I'm hoping to be able to do some actual book launch events at various bookstores. Outside of that, I guess the last thing that I would say is that Michael Downs' is gearing up to teach for they know not what they do by Slavoj Žižek we're putting out all these introduction videos and other interviews related to the topic of Hegel, Lacan, Žižek because we want to give people an accessible and sturdy basis in the discourse the problem is is that Michael Downs is very busy having to work at a wage slave job and so if you want to help in freeing Mikey make sure to go to his patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Dangerous Baby and make a donation. Thank you. I would be remiss to close this out without a quick shout out to our patrons and our anonymous donors. Thank you so much for the donations already. We've only been around for a month. We already got over $3,000 in donations. um, And so thank you. And uh, stay tuned for the app, which is on its way. There will be a Fury Underground app So the current setup is that it is a social media site built around courses where you can suppose that people who are involved in the discussions have a shared interest in the same or similar texts and where you can assume in a lot of the discussions that, yeah, people have read the stuff that you're reading, uh, that you're bringing into dialogue. And so, uh, for instance, the idea of the university by Carl Jaspers, dedicated forum. 5 ggx GX4 they don't know what they do, dedicated him, And then as people take the course over the years, new people will be coming into that forum. And so if you get in there early, you'll be able to see how the conversation evolves. And as new people add into the conversation, it'll bring back memories and like things that you want to work through, questions that you had with the first time that you read the text. And so I'm really excited for this. The reason I've built this website is because I think that this is what's lacking in so many other spaces is that ability to return to be able to communicate after the fact and in a sustained way on a platform that's not attention grabby and annoying like discord and so stay tuned because there is an app on the way thank you to our donors if you want to donate go to theory underground.com forward slash support thank you